is praised. Everybody will be happy over there. And everybody will be happy over there. Over there will will be happy over there. We will shout and sing his praise. Everybody will be happy over there. There the ransom of all ages will be singing round the throne. In that land where no one ever knows a care. And the Christians, all old nations, will join in that triumph song. Everybody will be happy over there. And everybody will be happy over there. Over there will we'll be happy over there. We will shout and sing his praise. Everybody will be happy over there, and everybody will be happy over there. Well, that be will be happy over there, and we we will shout and sing his praise. Everybody will be happy over there. There we'll meet the ones who saved us and who kept us by his grace and who brought us to that land so bright and fair. We will praise his name forever and look upon his face. Everybody will be happy over there and everybody will be happy over there, over there. Shout and sing his praises through the never-ending praises. Everybody will be happy over there. And everybody will be happy over there. Over there will be happy over And we will shout and sing his praises through the never-ending Everybody will be happy over there. Amen. Everybody will be happy over there. And this is a time when God has shared with us, not only, if you will, through song, but uh, he makes sure that through the scripture we understand that heaven is a place where there is happiness. Where there's a place, as John would say, in the book of Revelations, in the book of the last things, in the book of eschatology, John would say that uh, he saw a tree that beareth all manner of fruit, whose leaves were for the healing of the nation. He made sure that, he that we understood it was a place where God wiped away all the tears uh, from our eyes. And so I think that from that we can infer that heaven is a place of happiness. It's a place where we can go, and surely Jesus said that we can find uh, rest unto, uh, unto our souls. Uh, uh, Jesus made it very clear that uh, it was a place that was uh, prepared. In John 14, he made it sure, made sure that we understood 
that uh, we uh, uh, grasp the concept that heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. Uh, no one wanders into heaven. No one mistakenly, if you will, winds up in heaven. Amen. Uh, you know, you, you, can, uh, you can rest assured that, as Jesus says, uh, if, if, if any man tries to come up here any other way than through him, he's the same as a thief and a robber. Which is to let us know that uh, you're not going to make it any other way. Uh, but you're going to make it, uh, if you will, if we stay with Christ Jesus. It is a wonderful Lord's Day. Amen. Amen. Uh, I, I uh, just looked out at the, uh, at the sky and the sky is all clear. The rain has uh, come and gone and now the sun shines through. And, uh, and you know, it's just, it's just wonderful to be alive see God's creation, uh, and then see it as another day to say, you know what, I'm going to try to be better today than I was yesterday. Amen. I'm going to work on those things that the Lord would uh, have me to work on so that I can be found uh, acceptable uh, unto him. Uh, and so it's a wonderful day. It's good to be here this morning. It's good to see you all this morning. Uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and uh, get into this lesson, but but before I do, I, I, I want your focus to be in the Word, amen. amen. I, I know we're looking at the San Francisco 49ers and the Chiefs, amen. amen. Don't be having your iPhone out trying to see what the commentators are saying about who's going to win, amen. amen. There'll be time for that, but this is the time for the Lord, amen. amen. This is worship service, amen. amen. So don't be, don't be multitasking in worship service. The only multitasking I want you to do is keep your finger on one book, and when I call for another one, put that one in, in, in its place and then go to the next book. Don't, 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 don't be trying to look and see what the commentators are saying. All right. And for those of you who are looking at the spread in Vegas, oh, yeah, I'm going to call you out. I'm going to call you out. Amen. Brother, we don't be doing that stuff. That's all right. You tell the Lord. Amen. You don't have to tell me anything. But let's focus. On the word of God. Let, 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 let's see what God has to say about this spiritual family. Uh, because this is, this is a wonderful week, if you will, for, uh, for families. Amen. We, we know that during this week, during this time, even during this week, weekend, we had, uh, if you will, from a, uh, from a traditional standpoint, we had our married couples and dating singles uh, uh, summit, if you will. Uh, and so as we ease our way back into uh, uh, those events, uh, I thought it'd be good that since we have our daughters of Sarah and sons of Abraham uh, uh, discussions today, uh, that we would do what we would normally do, which, was, which is we would have a speaker come and that speaker would, uh, would address something dealing with the family and, and then we would go into our discussions. And so we're easing our way uh, uh, back into those uh, those activities and those events, and this is such a day. And that's why you see here, as I um, uh, made a, uh, a, a, a little detour from uh, our theme, which was dealing with the power of the innocent blood, though there is relevancy here. Um, uh, not directly, but there is certainly relevancy here as it pertains to the power of the innocent blood at the, at the foot of the cross. You can see here that I said a family. Uh, a family at the foot of the cross, amen, uh, because it is something that God has always ordained, that God always desired, is that a family to be at the foot of the cross, amen, 
we can go all the way back to Genesis and we can see that example. We'll talk a little bit about that. But, 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 but one of the ideas that I want to share with this idea of the family at the foot of the cross or a family at the foot of the cross is an unwavering faith. Amen. An unwavering faith. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that, what it means to have uh, for a family to have an unwavering faith. And then, uh, if you will, as we, as we, as we transition from there, uh, we know that in order to have a family at the foot of the cross, there, there must be an everlasting, un, uh, 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 and, and, and a everlasting and abounding love, if you will, at the foot of the cross. There must be an abounding love because that, that, that love has to, uh, has to go over some hills and valleys in that relationship. Amen. Uh, amen. That, 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 you know, it, it, the, sometimes we, 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 we be, as Christians, we, be, we become complacent in thinking that somehow uh, being Christians, our family structures, our relationships are somehow immune from the challenges of life. And that's just not the case. Amen. Amen. It's not the case. We, we are affected if you will, by the same things of, of the world that the, those who know not God are affected by. The only difference is, is that we know how to abound. Amen. Uh, because our faith and our trust uh, is, is not limited in us. Our faith and our trust extends to the power of God. Uh, amen. And I know that God is able to do all things. He's able to do all things. And so we'll talk about an abounding love, an ever-abounding love. And then I want to end with, you know, a divine spiritual relationship. Because, I, you know, I think sometimes we, 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 we miss what God did in the beginning. Certainly what he perpetuated from the beginning until this very moment. Uh, when it comes to a family's relationship and the, the idea of coming together as a family. It is a, it is a divine institution. And that institution is grounded in spiritual matters. Amen. And that was the intent and that was the focus of God, uh, if you will, from uh, the very beginning. That it was a divine institution. And that it is a, grounded in spiritual matters. When it comes to that family relationship. And so, and so let us get into this just for a moment. I know that we read Ephesians uh, chapter 5. And, and many of you are very familiar uh, with Ephesians chapter 5. You've looked at verses 21 through 28. You've probably heard it uh, uh, a multitude of times. Uh, but but I, I want to, uh, if you will, take some little time here this morning uh, uh, and, and, and dissect it a little bit. Maybe even analyze some things that uh, perhaps you... Uh, uh, can help you continue to uh, 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 increase and build on your knowledge, be edified, if you will, by uh, this passage of Scripture. And, and, and before I get into that passage of Scripture directly, I want to remind you just of a couple of things. Number one, when, when, when notice that in the beginning, when, when, when God created Adam and Eve, when he structured the idea of the beginning of the human existence, um, he made sure of two things. Number one, he made sure that they, they, they understood the, the, the purpose of their relationship. 
He understood, they understood the purpose of their relationship. And, and you have to say this because in Genesis, when Adam, if you will, we, we know Adam was created from the dust of the ground. God breathed into him, uh, into him and man became a living soul. We got that. We know that, 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 that Eve was taken from his side, the rib that was taken from the side, and then he created Eve. And, 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 and then uh, 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 after creating Eve, Eve became, if you will, that help meet, M-E-E-T, that was uh, 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 suitable for him, amen. Uh, after looking at all of other God's creation, you have to understand that. Adam did look out upon all of the creation, named all of the animals. Adam did all of that, amen, and found none that were meet for him, that was suitable for him. And then God said, it's not good. Here's the first principle. It's not good for man to be alone. He understood the significance of relationship. He understood the significance of companionship. Are y'all with me? He, under, he understood that there was a necessity for, for the male and the female that these two individuals would come together and they would have companionship. And so that was, that was part, if you will, of God's divine purpose that when he created man and when he created humanity, he made sure that they had companionship. Amen. And that companionship was one that was grounded in, if you will, the suitability of one for the other. Amen. Uh, and so there, 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 therein lies the beginning of God's divine purpose, that there would be companionship. Uh, as a matter of fact, after you, after you saw uh, that, 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 that God said it is not good for man to be alone, he understood the significance of, that, that, that in his plan, in his design, that he would, he would make, uh, if you will, Eve, and then Eve would become, if you will, his companion by the time Adam woke up from surgery. Amen. <laughs> when he woke up, and, if you will, and, 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 and started healing, amen, uh, and, and, he, and he looked out and he, and he saw Eve, amen. Uh, by the time he woke up, Adam understood, amen, the divine purpose of Eve. Adam said, bone of my bone, Lord have mercy, flesh of my flesh. He understood. This is companionship. This is, this is, this is, this is if you will, not uh, 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 humanity that is external of me. This is humanity that is part of me. Are y'all hearing me this morning? He said, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, amen. He understood that, that, that Eve was not, if you will, separate and apart from him, but she was part of him. Lord have mercy. And surely God solidifies it in his divine knowledge and his wisdom when he says, so shall a man leave father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So God, if you will, continues with his divine wisdom. 
man in his, if you will, knowledge of, of, of what God has done and the purpose of what God has done in bringing humanity, humanity into this realm of companionship and relationship. It is interesting that we would go to Ephesians 5 in a moment and we would find Paul, if you will, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God to give us Ephesians. And by giving us Ephesians, you may have thought that he was bringing in something different and new, but in fact, all he was doing was repeating what God had said in a different way. In a different way. But it's just still the same concept as the beginning. Because God said to man, so shall a man love his wife. Amen. As himself. Nourish and cherish her. For no man, here it is, ever hated his own flesh. Lord have mercy. He lets it be known. That that relationship, that companionship between the man and the woman is not only there because of the idea of the human creation, but it's spiritual. It's a spiritual relationship. It's a connection that only God can solidify. And so we find ourselves, if you will, when, 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 we, when we look at Ephesians 5 and 21, notice that what he says is, is that, is that they, they submit themselves, both of them submit themselves to God in this idea of this relationship. They would submit themselves uh, to God. Well, look at, look at it from the perspective of Genesis. The whole idea of Genesis was for Adam and Eve to do what? To submit themselves to God. To submit themselves to God. Now, we know what the devil did, and the devil always understands how to find a way in. And so we know that the devil interjected his false teaching and caused Eve, if you will, uh, and, 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 and by causing Eve, therefore affected Adam, and they stopped submitting themselves to God in that moment, and they started submitting themselves to the devil. I mean, you know, hey, the text is clear. And so we find ourselves, if you will, in Ephesians 5, though, that, 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 that uh, Paul, if you will, speaks to the family, to that spiritual relationship. And he says to them that, look, if you're going to have a relationship that is going to be a, a spiritual relationship, then you must both begin to recognize who God is. I mean, you just, you just got to get to that point. You just got to get to that point. Because let me tell you something. When you recognize who the Lord is, as a child of God, as a Christian, as one who's following after the Lord, you know where your boundaries are. Lord have mercy. You know where your boundaries are. Now, that doesn't mean there won't be struggles, but you know where your boundaries are. Adam and Eve had struggles, but they knew where their boundary was. Abraham and Sarah had struggles, but they knew where their boundaries were. 
And so it is that when you bring, if you will, the, 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 the Ephesians 5 text into, into discussion, we find God beginning with that very idea that when a man and a woman uh, comes together, when that couple comes together, there is, a, there is, if you will, God's directive that they get to know who he is. To know who he is. We look at Ephesians 5. In verse number 21, he says, submitting. Now, I know, sisters, I, I know, I know. You know. Our cultural human issues where, you know, submissive, we, we, we just spin it all into something that they don't even mean, right? You know, we at the, we at the altar and, and, and whomever, you know, do you, do you, as you take your vows, right? vows, right? We, we done got to the point now where we make up our own vows. Amen. Now, I, I want you to think about that for a moment. <laughs> if I don't want to vow the vow that the Lord said I needed to vow, I'm going to make up my own vow. Amen. Right? So therefore, I'm not accountable to the Lord's vows. You have to understand something. I don't care what vow you take at that altar. You are still accountable to the Lord's vows. <laughs> you, you can't change the Lord's vows just because you want to. You know, I'm, I'm going to leave submit out. I don't submit to nobody, right? We don't need to say that we, we get the S word. It's not about how we think we can better commit ourselves one to the other. You can have sophistry and poetic language and read poems to each other and look into each other's eyes deeply and all this kind of stuff. Let me tell you something. When you come together, God said you still need to figure out how to find me. Amen. <laughs> because if this relationship is going to be sustainable, somebody's got to know the Lord. Somebody's got to know the Lord. I, I, he says, submitting yourselves. And then he says, look, one to another is submitting yourselves one to another in what? The fear of God. In the fear of God. Amen. And let, let me tell you something. Let me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me help you here. When you submit yourself to the fear of God, and you're in this companionship, this relationship with another human being, let me tell you what this helps you to do when you know God, right? Because you know, when you know God, you know that, 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 that God's love covers a multitude of sins. You know what I'm saying? And, and so when, you, when you're in that relationship, let me tell you something. Even, brethren, I'm going to try, look, this is, this is family day. Y'all just come on, just bear, just, if you got to hold on to your seat, just hold on. It's going to be all right. And it's, a, it's just it's the same, just hold on. You know, let the word of God, let the word of God speak to you. That's how we get better. Amen. You know, uh, it, it, that's how we get better. And, and so when we see this text, let me tell you something. When you, when you, when you know God and, 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 and you're leaning into these, into, into these, these arguments and discussions and, and loud debates and all of these other things that you're getting to, look, when you know God, even when you write, sometimes you just stop. 
you just stop. Because see, your fear is in the Lord. You know, let God be true in every man alive. Your service isn't to the humanity. Your service is to the Lord. And so, you know, you've got to get to the point where, 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 where in your, in your weakness of wanting to be right, are you destroying the spirit of the other person? Lord have mercy. And this goes both ways. God says you're submitting yourselves to one, to one, to the other in the what? In the fear of of God. When Adam and Eve, Eve brought the fruit to Adam, and instead of Adam, if you will, taking the, 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 the lead in the situation and saying, we're not going to do this. Amen. Now, with all of the other things, it was good to look upon and, and it was looked good for food and, and all those things may have been, in fact, been right. At the end of the day, the focus was to do that which was in the fear of God. And so instead of Adam doing that which was in the fear of God, Adam did that which was perpetuated by the devil. And so you find yourselves in this idea where when God says in Ephesians 5 and 21, he says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. In other words, if both of us, if both of us are focused on the fear of God, then we can both keep the devil out. Lord have mercy. I'm just trying to hope us here. The fear of God is where our focus is. You know, what would God do? How do we think about that relationship that we have with God? Because it is about a family at the foot of the cross. And that family begins with the husband and the wife. And the husband and the wife focuses on striving to be what God desires them to be. And it's a growing process. It's a growing process. Adam and Eve had to grow. And the challenges that they had are real. We saw and we remember what the Genesis says about what happened with their two young, their two sons and, 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 and Cain and Abel and, and all of that. We, we recognize that family is, it, it will have challenges. And these are, this is an example of the early family where God walked with them, talked with them. Come on now. God's right there with them, in the midst of them. There's no distance between them and God in the sense of a, a, a written word, amen, and the faith that is in the word. There's no distance there. He's walking and talking with them in the garden. God spoke directly to Abel. God spoke directly to Cain. He's right there with him. But they still have a free will. And that free will, if it's not in the fear of God, it can still fail. That's all I'm trying to hope us understand. Walking in the fear of God, it is about where you are spiritually with the Lord. You see, Eve had her issues. Adam had his issues. Cain had his issues. Abel died too early to have issues. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean he wouldn't have had any. 
But certainly we find that God identified Abel as having innocent blood because when Abel has the innocent blood, he says to Cain, where is thy brother? Here's the relationship, the other part of the human relationship. He says, where is thy brother? And then Cain comes back with this phrase that God is sitting here. God has already know what he's going to say. But he says here, if you will, am I my brother's keeper? And the answer to that question, Cain, is yes! You are your brother's keeper. You are your brother's keeper. And then God comes back and says, well, since you want to talk about that, I'm going to let you know that his blood speaks to me from the ground. In other words, I know what you did. I know what you did. It's not that I don't know what you did. I'm having a conversation with you. Where's your fear of God? Where's your fear of me? You may recall that story that even in that human relationship between the siblings, between the siblings, between the children, you'll find in that relationship that there's a need for the fear of God as well. But since Cain, if you will, decided, if you will, that he was, he was, he was, if you will, uh, uh, not going to adhere uh, and be faithful and have that, 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 that trust in that relationship that God desired for him to have, that he thought that somehow by, by taking out his uh, unhappiness on his brother was somehow going to make him feel better. And so therefore you have the first murder in the beginning of humanity. Nevertheless, what do we find? So God comes to him and God says to him, and he says to him, if you will, where's our brother Abel? I'm my brother's keeper. His blood speaks to me from the ground. And then God does what? God condemns him, punishes him, if you will, because of what he did, the spilling of the innocent blood. And it was so, if you will, to Cain, it seemed to be so overwhelming and so hard that he started bargaining with God on what he could do and what he could not do. I don't want to go back to all the details of the story, but I want you to see here that when, when, when God says submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God, let me tell you something. When God has said something, when God has commanded something, when God has directed something, we need to be encouraged enough that God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. That God knows what he's doing. And follow after and be faithful and be unwavering in his faith. In our faith to him. If Abel, if, if Cain rather, would have just followed after what God said, we would not have had a murder in, the, in Genesis, beginning with the first family. God said to him, he says, look, this is what I asked for. If you will, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. That's what it means. It means that by faith, in other words, he's saying based on what God had said to him, Romans 10 and 17, so then faith coming by hearing, hearing by the word of God. When, when God spoke to Abel and spoke to Cain, Abel went off and did that which God had instructed them to be, to be done. Now, when Cain came to God, God said to Cain, if you not had done well, in other words, if you too would have based, done what, what I have asked could be done based on faith, you too would have been received. Unwavering faith is part of God's divine purpose. 
when it comes to the family circle, the family structure, the family nucleus, unwavering faith. What did the devil do? He challenged Adam and Eve by Eve's unwavering faith that wavered. Adam's faith was there, but he allowed the lack of submission to the fear of God to cause him to follow after his wife. As opposed to saying to his wife, yes, it looks good for food. It can smell good, look good, and all the other goodness that you want to call it. But if it's not based on God, we can't do that. Because there's a fear of God that's necessary in order for us to be received and to be recognized of him. The Bible says that the devil comes in and the devil comes in and, 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 he, and, he, and he challenges the faith that is there because the devil asks Eve a question. You know, did not God say you can eat of every tree of the garden? In other words, God has spoken. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Eve says, yes, we can eat of every tree of the garden except for that which is in the midst of the garden. Because God has said, when we eat of that tree within the midst of the garden, we shall surely die. The devil comes back and says, thou shalt not surely die. He is challenging her faith. And then Eve comes to Adam. and She challenges his faith. And so faith is the issue that's in this corner. It's not just about the creation of humanity. It's about whether or not they are willing to submit themselves in the fear of God or to the fear of God. Are you with me this morning? It's so unwavering faith. When, when a family has an unwavering faith, it doesn't mean that you won't have challenges. But what you will do is that you will hold on to God's unchanging hand. And, 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 and if you choose to do that, you can get through some things. You can get through some things. The the next idea here is about, is about an abounding love, right? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever should believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And he says, while we were yet in our sins, Christ died for the ungodly. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. All of these ideas of Love, an abounding love. And God first shows us by example, because let me tell you something. God, if you will, he, he, he looks into heaven and he gives us the best that he has. The best that he has. That's how much God loved his creation. He gives us the best that he had in, in, in the form of his son. He gives us the best that he had. And so God places the same level of responsibility on the man and the woman, the children, humanity. Even to the extent where you find Jesus makes a very interesting point here as we transition, if you will. As he, when, you, when you find Jesus and Jesus says, if you will, to the, to the family, he says, look. He that loveth father and mother, brother and sister, more than me is not worthy of me. 
the challenge here. And you often, you often, sometimes we listen, we listen to that and we, we, we hear the weight of the, the, the directive that is being given. In other words, it sounds to us that we have to look at our family members lesser than we see God. And that's how we, that's the human reaction. Oh, I have, to, I have to look at them lesser than God? I have to look at them lower than God? Think about this for a moment. He that loveth father, mother, brother, and sister more than me is not worthy of me. That's what Jesus said. That's, what, that's the text. And when we hear that, we say to ourselves, okay, well, well then, then that means that, that no matter what happens over here in my family relationship, I need to make sure God is above all of that. Right? Lord, what is the greatest commandment in the Bible? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might, with all thy strength. And the second is not unlike the first. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Well, who is my neighbor? Your father, your mother, your brother, your sister. Lord have mercy. In other words, don't listen it, don't listen through the ears of, of, of a negative sense. If I love God, if I have given myself in the fear of God, then that love will spill over and carry over to my love for my wife, my love for my... The love for my husband, the love for my children, the love for my neighbor. But if I think that the opposite should be so, if I put them over God, then there's a problem because if my love is not first committed to the Lord, then I'm putting a weaker love above. Lord, have mercy. So God says, submit yourself first to me. If you submit yourself first to me and you see how I have loved you and how I have given you and blessed you, then you can take that same love and you can bestow it on your family. And when you can have that type of relationship with God and with your family, let me tell you something, you're going to be all right. It don't mean you ain't going to have challenges, but you're going to be all right. You follow what I'm saying? Because you know how to speak to one another in love. Amen. If I didn't love you, I'm not going to be saying this. Oh, amen. But I'm saying this because I love you. Lord, have mercy. E, the fruit looks good. It smells good and all that. But look, we can't eat this stuff. Because it's not of God. It's not in the fear of God. It's not based on our unwavering faith to God. Are you following me? It's not because it doesn't look good. I get it. But God has not allowed it. Lord, have mercy. So in verse 22, as he begins with the wives, amen. I said begin with the wives so our sisters can know that the men are coming so y'all don't get so depressed after Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, you see. 
don't, don't, don't jump on that and forget verse number 20, verse number 20. Right? I mean, sorry, verse number 21. Don't jump on verse number 22 and forget verse number 21. He's already said, submitting yourselves one to another. So that means that both of you need to submit yourselves one to the other. All right? So he just starts with the wives, recognizing. Wives, submit yourselves uh, to your own husbands. He says, As unto the Lord. You see that there? Submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. In other words, as, as, you, as you recognize the significance of your relationship and your submission to God, that should carry over, as I was saying before, that should carry over to how you treat your husband. Lord have mercy. Your love for God should carry over to how you love your husband, right? This is the idea of what it means to submit. Submit doesn't mean enslave. Submit doesn't mean I'm going to put you under my shoe. Amen. That's not what submit means. I know what the world has done to the vows. But that's not what it meant. When I'm submitting, when it, it, do, you, do, you, do, you, do you promise to submit in sickness and in health? <laughs> Wait a minute. I, health, maybe. Sickness, I, I don't know. Depends on how sick they get. When you are giving that vow, what you are thinking about is, this is bone of my bone. This is flesh of my flesh. That's the husband's side. But remember, God said, I'm not going to leave the woman out because the two shall become one flesh. And so not only does that husband love the wife, that wife loves the husband, and in their growth and development and, and union that they come together with, that companionship, that relationship, it is the unbounding love that they first have for God that spills over to what they have for each other that keeps them going. Amen. I'm just trying to hope us here. Because she submits herself. To her husband as unto the Lord. And let me tell you something. As God forgives her of her sins, amen. She has that same capacity of love to forgive the trespasses of her husband. Amen. And vice versa. As he commits himself to God, he has that same, if you will, capacity of love to forgive his wife. Sometimes you say things you ought not to say. Amen. Think things you ought not to think. Do stuff you ought not to do. But God said the capacity of love is there. It's an unbounding love. As James would let us remind uh, ourselves that love covers 
multitude of sins, right? Struggles are real. We come together and we come together in a companionship that brings in two lives, right? Two lives come together. And those lives have histories and pasts, right? You've been conditioned in a certain way coming up in the, in the, in the pathways that you've come up in and, 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 and the other person has been conditioned in certain ways and pathways that they've come up in and, and you're bringing those two lives together and, and you're bringing that together and you're saying to yourself that without God you're going to make that work? Good luck with that. You need to have God in the midst of this thing because at the midst of it, if you're building on the foundation of God, you have hope and strength that can only come from the relationship that you have with the Lord. Let me tell you something. When, when Peter writes to us and he says to us that... Uh, that 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 uh, that a, a a wife can can change, if you will, the by her chaste conversation. That is her behavior. She can influence, if you will, the unbelieving husband. Let me tell you something. He's not saying it's because of the broided hair that she may have or the or the or the makeup that she may put on or the or or, or whatever it is that she wants to don in order to be enticing to that's not what he's saying he's saying the meek and quiet he said your spirit is what can convert him and that spirit is one that can convert him because the spirit that she has has been empowered by God are y'all with me it is that spirit that can influence the husband because that spirit has been empowered by God, has been shaped and molded by God. And let me tell you something, at the very minimum, even if it is the case that the resistance of the, of the unbelieving husband, husband is so, he still says to the wife, you are still accepted unto God. Because what you did was not in service to him, but it was in service to the Lord. You see, that the, 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 the complexity, if you will, that, that, that is in this text helps us to understand that my abounding love begins first with God. And when my abounding love begins with God, then I can take just, I can take just, a, just a little bit of that abounding love with God and apply it to my relationship with my husband or with my wife and with my children. And if I can just do that. The, the Bible says that faith is like a grain of a mustard seed, one of the smallest seeds that you would ever want to know about. But when it blooms, the birds can make the house in the leaves. And so when you take that idea of love and you put just a, just a, just a, a, the grain of a mustard seed of the love that you need to have for God into your relationship, he's saying that that love can bloom. To cover a multitude of sins. And so he says that to a wise, but then in verse number 23, 
as we continue to talk about abounding love. He brings in the analogy about Christ and the church. In verse number 23, for the husband is head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. I, I want you to see this here because I, I went to Genesis to help you see where the disconnect was with Adam. You see, Adam was supposed to be, and it was at that time, the savior of the body. It was Adam's responsibility to say no. And he didn't. The Bible makes it very clear that the man is a savior of the body. And, 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 and you know, <laughs> when we... When we have this understanding of the, of, the, of the roles that God has placed in the family structure, let me tell you something. To, to, to be the watchman on the wall of your family is not an easy thing to do. It's a struggle. But he says you are the savior of the body. You have to be there. You have to focus on striving to do that which is right and that which is in the fear of God. No matter what's going on, that is your role. And that is the hardship that the headship has. And notice that this is not unlike what Jesus had to do when he died for the sins of the whole world. No matter what they did, Jesus understood that God had to be reverenced. He goes to the cross and he dies. He is the savior of the body. But he goes on in verse number 24. He says, therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their husbands in everything. Verse number 25. Husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church. And look what he says. And gave himself for it. The role of the husband's love is couched in the, 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 the submission that he has to God. Because in this role, he says, you have to become the sacrifice for the family. Lord have mercy. When the devil's at the door, the husband has to stand up. Lord have mercy. I'm just trying to help you. When the devil's at the door, you have to, the husband is responsible. He's the savior of the body. He has to stand up. And, and, and you know, you can't, you can't be kind of coward behind. God says, no, 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 no. That's your role. Amen. You are the savior of the body. That is your family. That is your household. You have to, you have to suffer, sacrifice. You have to suffer. You have to struggle. You have to do all those things because that's what Christ did. Why do I have to go to work? Because Christ had to go to work. <laughs> Just trying to help us. You know, uh, you, you, you go out, I'm going to take care of the family. Ah! <laughs> Amen. You go first. And then if you need some help, I'm here as a help me. But don't, <laughs> don't send me first. And see, y'all don't hear me. I'm trying to hope y'all. 
Let me tell you something. He is the one that is the savior of the body. He makes the sacrifice. He does the struggle. He is the one. When God dealt with the fact that they needed to now eat and till from the ground, who went out to do that? It was Adam. Do you hear what I'm saying? But see, now we've gotten into this mindset where we just flip the script because we have very intellectual, very educated, and very professional women. And, and so now we get into the household, and so now the household is, is, is flipped this way. Since I make more money than you, then I can call the shots. That's not how it works! It ain't about the money! Honey! It's not about the money. It's about God's divine plan. Amen. A woman can be the president of the United States. Amen. I'm going to drop it. We need to stop it. She can be the president of the United States. But when she gets home, I don't care how many senators you spoke to today. Amen. When you get home, there's a divine order that God has put in place. And that man has to suffer and struggle and do all that is necessary to protect that household. Amen. Amen. I'm just trying. We, 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 we get ourselves all in a tizzy and flip-flopped and mixed up because we don't want to deal with God's divine order. Just don't want to deal with it. Let me tell you something. There was a time when war happened among the families. It wasn't the women that went. It was the men. Because they were the protectors of the household. Y'all hear me? This is, this is not a physical war, but it's a spiritual war. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities, evil and wickedness in high places. And so that man needs to dawn himself with his relationship with God. That, that armor that uh, Paul would talk about later in Ephesians 6, he needs to dawn his spirit with that, with that, with that spiritual weaponry so that he can go fight those spiritual problems that are in his household. This ain't about what position she has in the world. It's not about how much money she makes. Ain't about who calls the shots. It's about God's divine order. Amen. And the devil's at the door. Don't go send your wife to fight the devil. You're supposed to be the first one at the door. Now let me tell you something. Blessed is the man that findeth a wife. For he findeth a good thing. And receives favor from the Lord. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me unpack that just a little bit. You're supposed to be the first one at the door. Stay with me. Because see, both of you are already committed to God. Ooh, I'm going to go somewhere here. This is family day. Don't be running out. He has to be the first one at the door. 
But if he happens to be not strong enough to take the devil down, you, you know who's behind him? You, you got to hear me now. She's a help me for him. Amen. So when he's doing all that he can to defend against the devil, maybe he is overcome by the, the, by the issues of the devil. But in the backdrop, somebody's got to protect the kids. Oh, Lord, have mercy. And let me tell you something. They, they, they say that it's a dangerous thing to come up against the she-bear. Amen. The she-bear can be more vicious than the male. Amen. I'm just trying to hope you here. I'm starting to rethink how we, how we understand the significance of this ecological system that we call humanity. Because guess what? I now understand why the women were the first ones at the grave of Jesus when he rose. Lord have mercy. I... The devil thinks that somehow if the strong man in the house falls, that he has a free way in. Now that might be the case if the woman has not also submitted herself unto the Lord. But if they both have submitted themselves to the Lord, the woman is saying, okay, you go do what you're supposed to do. And if you can't do what you're supposed to do, I'm going to take care of it back here. You follow what I'm saying? But come on, you got to help me out with that. You remember Deborah? Amen. And Deborah had to go and tell them, uh, didn't you all hear what God, he, she went to the men. Amen. They were supposed to go to war. And then Deborah was a prophetess. And let me just break that down, right? Deborah said, I'm not going to run out in front of you because that ain't my place. Amen. You need to go and fight. Lord have mercy. And do what it is that God says is necessary. But what you find is, is that the strength is, 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 is layered when it comes to a spiritual family, a divine family. The strength is layered. It begins with the husband, but in that layer, you also have the wife. Who's there to support him and to lift him up? Lord have mercy. And as she does that, she's protecting the family as well. Are y'all with me? In Genesis chapter 18, in verse number 19, we find... God speaking something very powerful to this conversation about the relationship between the man uh, and the woman. And in this text, we find Abraham that Sarah was honored to call him Lord. Amen. She wasn't ashamed to recognize her husband. And his role and responsibility. And he was not ashamed to express his love for Sarah. Abraham loved Sarah. 
Amherst. In Genesis 18, and I'm going to start with verse number 17 just for a little bit of context. He says, and the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? He was going to go over to Sodom and Gomorrah. He was going to deal with that and tear that down because of the things that were going on there. And then he says in verse number 18, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Verse number 19, for I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the, the, Lord have mercy, they shall keep, not he shall keep, but they shall keep, Lord have mercy. It's a family relationship. It is a family coming together in a divine and spiritual relationship. And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. Let me tell you something, when you have committed yourself to God and you're going, and Abraham had struggles, Sarai had struggles, they all had struggles. But when they committed themselves over to God, God was with them because it was a divine spiritual relationship that began on the foundation of God. And when it begins on the foundation of God, let me tell you something, you got hope. You have hope that you're able to sustain, and to make it through to the end. Let me close. So we have here, in verse, we're back in Ephesians 5. And so look what he says. So verse 25, as a recap, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Verse 26, that he might sanctify and... We've been talking about sanctification and cleansing. And and he says, by the washing of the water, by the word. Let me tell you something. When the word of God is what is in what's fueling your family growth and development, that's where your strength comes from. Sanctify means set apart. Set apart from what? Set apart from the world. The Christian family should look different than what the worldly family looks like. It just should be. And, and, then, and then when we talk about cleansing it by the washing of the water, by the word, you know, we continue to allow the word to shape us and to mold us and to change us. Because let me tell you something, in order to become that which God desires us to be, it's going to have to be because of the word. I become a better husband, not because I'm so good, but because God is good. And I'm willing to let God's word shape and mold me. So that I can just be worthy of being his child. The first concept of striving striving to be better is to recognize that you're flawed. I'm flawed in every way. I strive to read God's word that I can become better each day. Each day. And it's the washing of the water by the word. 
Surely baptism and giving my life over to God lets me seal my faith, my unwavering faith to God. Not saying that somehow I'm not going to struggle, I'm not going to suffer, I'm not going to sacrifice, because those things will happen. Peter made sure that we understood if any man be in Christ, he's going to suffer. If any man be call himself a Christian, if you will, he's going to suffer. But let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. You're going to suffer as a Christian. But you glorify God knowing that God can fortify you, that he can strengthen you. That's what Peter lets us know, right? If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. And as a man of God, you're going to suffer, you're going to struggle. And you're going to do what Jesus did. You're going to sacrifice. But don't be ashamed of that. Amen. He goes on and says, that sanctification, that setting apart. By the way, the same word that gives us sanctification, which, 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 which gives us the idea of being set apart, it's also the same word that, makes it get, that comes from the word, it, the Greek word that it comes from is hagios, which means to not only be sanctified and set apart, it also means to be holy. So the idea of your family to be sanctified and cleansed is to give you the idea that it needs to become holy. Holy for what? Holy before whom? Holy before God. Holy so that you can make it to heaven's glory. And you do all that you can to provide a pathway for your children. And by providing a pathway for your children, you're providing a pathway for the generations to come. Are y'all with me? And it has to start somewhere. So, so don't, don't, don't start blaming your past. Start from where you are and build from there. Amen. That's all you can do. Because you can't go back and redo what mama and daddy didn't do. You can't go back and redo what, what auntie, uncle, and grandma, and great grandma, and big mama, and big pop. You can't go back and deal with what they did. But you can start from where you are. Are y'all with me? You can start from where you are because that's what it takes. It takes somebody to say, here and no farther. Devil, you stop here and no farther. Somebody has to turn to the Lord. Somebody says, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to struggle, I'm going to strive to be a Christian. Verse number 27. That he might present it to himself. Glorious church, that is Christ, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it, it, that, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Remember what I said about sanctification, cleansing? It's about being holy. And so as Christ, if you will, as Christ has already sacrificed, he's already given himself. Do you not know he's in heaven and he's looking down and he sees us. He's, he's looking upon us and he sees the, the things that are going on with us. And through that, he's suffering. He's struggling with what he sees. But yet, his love still covers a multitude of sins. And you know what? It will continue. 
until one event occurs. And that one event is when Jesus comes back to receive the church. Until then, he will suffer. He will struggle. But every time we go astray, he says, my blood will still cover you when you repent. First John 1, 1 through 7. But he's still looking at us and he's saying, until I come back and receive the church, the glorious church, the divine church, the divine body, the spiritual body, that relationship that I have with the church, the same is being identified and compared with the relationship that a family should have on the earth. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. He lets us know that this family relationship that's here on earth is not unlike the relationship that we have in our spiritual relationship with Christ in the church. Verse number 28. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Verse 29, for no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. So he makes that comparison. He makes that analogy. He goes on and says in verse 30, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bone. For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. That's that, that phrase that we just read goes all the way back to Genesis goes all the way back to Genesis. Because that was the divine purpose and the intent of God from the beginning. Your, 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 your wife is not separate and independent of you. She is a part of you. Your husband is not separate and independent from you. He is a part of you. Your children are not separate and independent from you. They are of you. They are of you. And whatever struggles they go through, whatever challenges they go through, whatever struggles you go through, whatever struggle she goes through or he goes through, whatever struggle you go through, you always need the foundation of God to get through. To get through. A family at the foot of the cross. That's who we are. Here upon the face of the earth. People who have said, I'm going to obey God and deny the devil. And in doing that, the struggles that come with that, I'd rather let God be true than every man alive. I'm going to build my house on a solid foundation. Blessed is the man that findeth a wife, for he findeth a good thing and receiveth favor from the Lord. Blessed is the man that have children for his quiver. See, see. His quiver will always be full and they will be able to stand at the gate. I'm going to end right here. Because see, 
I stopped with the wife. Because see, the, look, you got to understand, the devil ain't going to stop. If he can get through the husband, he's going to get through the husband. If he can get through the wife, he's going to get through the wife. But see, if your family is standing at the foot of the cross, you got the children in the backdrop. Oh, y'all don't hear me. A quiver is a satchel that has arrows in it. Blessed is the man that have children, for he will have his quiver full. That quiver is full of arrows. And those arrows are defensive and offensive weaponry. So if you get through the husband, the wife will use the quiver. If you get through the wife, the children will be the quiver. But somebody is going to defend that household. Y'all don't hear me. And that's why the devil knows. He has to destroy the family nucleus, not just the husband. The husband is a strong man, and he's going to fight his brothers. He's going to fight as long as he can fight. Y'all hear me? Brothers, until your last breath is gone, you fighting him. You fighting him until your last breath is gone. And then when the sisters are there, they are fighting Satan as long as they can until their last breath is gone. But see, if you're training up a child in the way that it should go, when the devil get to the children, Lord have mercy. You see, because we get old. You know, our muscles aren't as strong as they used to be. Amen. Our sight ain't as good as it used to be. Our teeth don't grind. Come on, Solomon. Your teeth don't grind as much as it used to. Oh, amen. Your, your, your legs don't stand as strong as they used to. But the, but the devil, he's like he's always youthful. So you need, amen. I, I'm going to say this and I'm going to close. You need to be not husband deep, not wife deep, but family deep. Oh, you, oh Lord have mercy. You need to be family deep. And that's why God says children. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 1. <laughs> children. Woo, Lord have mercy. Because see, I dealt with the husband. I dealt with the wife. I dealt with the man and the woman. And the children thought, oh, we're going to get pious. No, you ain't. Because this is a family that stands at the foot of the cross. It's a family, and you got to be family deep. Because, see, let me tell you something. After daddy's gone, after mama's gone, those children are going to be raising families. Are y'all hear me? And now you, now you the husband, you the wife, you're the one at the gate. Are you hearing me? You're standing at the door. And so now you've got to fight, amen, and you've got to train up your children. Because the devil ain't going to stop. The fight goes on until Jesus comes. The fight continues. Amen. And the, and the war will not be televised. Amen. 
you struggling with stuff. Nobody know you struggling with it, but you struggling with it. And you, when you call people up, they don't even understand what you're talking about anyway. But you, but you're struggling. Are y'all with me? You're struggling with it. The devil doing this and the devil doing that. And but you're struggling with it, and you're fighting. You're wrestling with them. Amen. You're doing all that you can. And when you've done all that you can, the next generation go struggle with them and fight with them and and continue to fight against them and push them back. And the next generation, and the next until Jesus comes. So you got to prepare for the warfare that will not be televised. It's just you and the devil. That's why Paul says, I fought a good fight. I kept the faith. I finished my course. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness that fadeth not away. That the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in that day. Not only unto me. But also unto all those who what? Who love his appearing. The struggle is real. The challenges are real. But if you stay with the Lord, if you stay, if you stay with God, you're gonna find yourself in the midst of of, 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 a, of a battle that, that that can be won, but it can be won only because of your relationship with God. Let me close. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I'm closed right here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, as I, I give this to you families, understand who you're fighting against. Sometimes we got the wrong enemy in sight. Because see, the enemy is not you and I against one another. Not even in your family circle. Your enemy is the devil. Verse, uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 1, the Bible says, Now I, Paul, myself beseech you, beg you, by the meekness and the, and the gentleness of Christ, who in, the pre who in presence am base among you, but being absent am bold toward you. But I beseech you that I might not be bold when I am present with you, uh, present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh in other words if you think if you think your flesh is going to win this battle you're sadly mistaken Amen. Paul said you think we warned against you with our flesh we're not warned against you with our flesh we're warned against you with spiritual things you see, the devil wants you to think that your flesh can do something. That's where your, your biggest weakness is. Remember what Isaiah says? I, Isaiah says, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. But even the young men shall fall. With all of their muscles, right? But those who wait on the Lord, in other words, when your spiritual relationship is right with God, it is that spiritual strength that keeps you going, not your flesh. Amen. Your spiritual strength that keeps you going. Let me, let me end here. Verse number three. In 2 Corinthians 10 and 3. For, we, for though we walk in the flesh, I'm going to say it again. For though we walk in the flesh, 
we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Let me tell you something. When you got a relationship, a spiritual family, a divine family that is grounded in God, you are family deep. You can beat the devil. Because you're family deep. You're family deep. Doesn't matter what generation it is. Whatever generation comes, you're going to have somebody in that generation that's going to stand for the Lord. You see, because there's only one thing that we have to remember. God's going to save the church. That's not even a question. The church will be saved. The only question that's on the table is, will you be in it? Will you be in it? Will you be in it? Romans, Romans 10 and 17 says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, but without faith it's impossible to please God. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And Solomon makes it very clear when he says in Matthew 6 and 33, when Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. God knows what you need. Are you ready to trust in him? Are you ready to give your faith, your confidence to him? Because if you are, Paul says, I know how to be a base. I know how to suffer want. I know how to suffer need. And he says also, I know how to abound. But whatever situation I find myself in, he says, therein I know how to be content. Because he knows his relationship with God. God wants you to have that with him. He says, repenting of your sins, Luke 13, 3 and 5, I tell you, nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. But God doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants all to come unto repentance so that they might be saved. Acts 17 and 30, God commandeth everyone everywhere to repent. We confess Jesus Christ to be the Son of God. Romans 10 and 9, with the mouth we confess Christ Jesus. Romans 10 and 10, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made, uh, is made unto salvation. We go down in that watery grave of baptism where that precious blood of Christ, that precious innocent blood of Christ, cleanses us from all of our past sins and we arise to walk in the newness of life. You cannot answer for the past that you have come through. But you can certainly begin to prepare for the future by changing your present. Because then you become, you become accountable for your own decisions. Don't feel guilty about decisions other people have made. Become accountable for the decisions that you need to make for yourself to change your life. If this is your time to come, why don't you come right now? If you stand and sing an invitational song, why don't you come? 902. 902. What can oh, we? Nothing but the blood. What can make me whole? Nothing but the blood. Jesus, we're singing, oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my pardon is I see. Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Uh, for my cleansing, this my plea. 
nothing but the blood of Jesus. We sing in oppression, it's the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. 